Cardinals Corner from Arizona Sports with Tyler Drake and Eric Ruby. What's going on, guys? Tyler Drake here with Cardinals Corner and Arizona Sports Podcast. I am joined today not by my trusted, always here co-host, Eric Ruby. Instead, we've got a pinch hitter in Mitch Vereldis. So, Mitch, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in and on a short notice and filling in for Eric. Thank he's, you, Ty. He's a little under the weather, so hopefully it gets better soon. His voice was uh, completely shot, so I think we're saving everybody a little bit of... Uh, Airtime for the ears there. So. I think we can agree that the uh, the vocal cords are probably the most important in an audio medium. Oh yeah, if I were to, <laughs> if I were to surmise, but yeah, hope that Eric gets better as well. I agree with you there. But for those who uh, don't know, Mitch, Mitch is the uh, producer for Burns and Gambo. He is in the building every day, uh, producing some of the best uh, audio we've got around. So appreciate you coming in, man. Yeah, no problem. Excited to. Uh, Excited to talk about this Cardinals game, which was, you know, as it finished, it was not all that exciting as no. we both saw today. No, no. Uh, 38 to 10 finish Monday night football in Mexico City. Definitely not what the Cardinals wanted to roll out there. Uh, I mean, what's your biggest takeaway? Uh, my biggest take- takeaway, excuse me. My biggest takeaway is the disparity between the two halves. Okay. If I'm looking at it from a 30,000 foot view. So basically where they were playing. Right. <laughs> Stadio Azteca in Mexico City. If I'm looking at this from way up there, it was a one-possession ball game at the half. Yeah. So it was 17-10 going into halftime. And you have to think, okay, our first plan is we're going to adjust. We're going to play to our new strength. we got to figure out the rushing attack. we got to do all these different things better. The game ended 38-10. They didn't adjust to anything. No. As a matter of fact, San Francisco... If it felt like they over-adjusted. Elijah Mitchell went from one carry for four yards in the first half to being the game's leading rusher yep. at nine for 59. How does that happen? Like, yeah. How do you allow that to happen after him being basically a non-factor in the first half? So I start there, just the absolute disparity between the two halves in what could have been a much more competitive game. Yeah, definitely. I think I've got to agree with you there because I think we even talked about it during that second half of, wow, you know, Christian McCaffrey is still, you know, garnering all these touches. What's going on? And as soon as we said it, it was like, all right, there's Elijah Mitchell. There's Elijah Mitchell closing it out like he's done, like he did last week, really. And yeah, uh, they just really over, you know, over... What, I'm missing the word, but they overran. Figured, they, I they, mean, figured they figured it out. Yeah, it felt like they stopped throwing the ball. And even Cliff said after the game, you know, he he said they they adjusted, they figured it out, and and that's what it was. I mean, you could tell. I that was a team that was determined to run the rock, and then not only got Christian McCaffrey going, they get Elijah Mitchell in there to end the game, and that's really, I mean, that's the biggest takeaway for me for sure. Uh, what moving on to the uh, quarterback controversy, or is there one at this point, or was I, there one? I think we've got our answer that there is no longer a quarterback controversy here. I Look, agree. Colt Colt was fantastic stepping in last week against the Rams, but I think we're now at a point that the Rams are not the same team that they used to be. Oh no! And granted, they only had John Wolford as well, so they were down their starting QB, but they also had three wins going into that contest last week, and then they just lost to New Orleans. Matthew Stafford. Likely going back into concussion protocol again. Mm-hmm. Like the Rams are an own dysfunctional mess right now. The 49ers are the team to beat in this division, in my opinion. And you had every opportunity to prove that you are as good of a team with Colt McCoy in 
as you are with Kyler Murray. And that just did not happen today. Yeah. It's not that he was bad. But once they fell really far behind, it became a chore for them to catch up. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, is that Colt McCoy actually was getting the ball out faster yeah. this week than last week. And it didn't look like that. The offense looked a lot more snagged, stagnant, looked like they just they were relying so much on DeAndre Hopkins breaking a couple tackles to get down the field. Uh, you know, Greg Dorch had a great game. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, really, that's just what it comes down to. And and. Man, it just it just seemed like the Niners had their number, and in the second half, it was like, I mean, not even that. It, it seemed like it was a pretty even contest. You know, Niners clearly looked like the better team in the first half still, but you get in the second half, it's still a one-score game. And I, instead, it's just they just ran them out of Mexico City. I grabbed a snapshot of the team stats that they came out after the game. You're right. This was very similarly played in several areas. First downs. San Francisco had 21. Arizona had 19. Yep. That's pretty darn similar. Third down efficiency. San Francisco was 6 of 11. Arizona was 8 of 16. That's about a similar ratio. Yeah. How about this? Offensive plays. San Francisco only had the ball on offense 57 times tonight to Arizona's 71. Oh. Now, here's where it differs. Like, massively. San Francisco averaged 6.8 yards per play. Arizona, 4.4. And you can look right at that running back room. Well, here's that. 159 yards on the ground for San Francisco, 67 for Arizona. And how about this? Arizona had four fewer carries than San Francisco did on the ground in total. (laughs) 24 for 67 versus 28 for 159. It is very hard to win games when you become a one-dimensional offense. Yeah, and and the thing is, obviously, you know, San Francisco getting up, Cardinals are probably going to have to rely on the pass more. But yeah, like you said, I mean, 24 for 67 for 2.8. A, a, a carry it's that's, that's incredibly rough. inefficient yes especially yes. when you gave this contract to james connor and of course the controversy of the week we haven't even mentioned it yet the controversy of the week being that they cut their number two yep. running back eno benjamin earlier to start the week yep Keontae ingram had like one good burst run but but his the game was completely lost at that point yeah exactly yeah James Conner, it doesn't feel like he's found his footing yet. No, it just it, he just doesn't seem like he's that explosive back he was last year. And, and I think it's a product of what this team is right now, just with that O-line's just patchwork. Yep. Uh, Kyler Murray's banged up. Colt McCoy's banged up. Yeah. Really he got honest. beat up today. And it's just, yeah, you, you just don't have that. And, and, and going back to it, I'm a broken record. This team's at its best when it has two running backs running full speed. Like, it can't just be the Connor show. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it cannot be. The, the running game is not as explosive if it's just Connor. No, I mean, think about it. That's why they were so successful with it last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think we give enough credit to what a compliment Chase Edmonds was for James Connor in last year's rushing attack. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we'll, we'll say it until we're blue in the face. This team got to 10 and 2 last year. Yep. This team won 11 games last year. Yep. They had a very successful offense last year. It is not the same story this year. No. And at this point, we're blue in the face. I have to imagine Cliff Kingsbury's blue in the face and everybody else on this Cardinals roster has to be sick and tired of talking about this same. I don't know what the problem is. Like we have to play better complimentary football. We have to find the answers to all these problems, all these mistakes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're not getting any answers. Well, I can tell you right now, one answer is not having negative plays on every other first down. Oh, that would be nice. That, uh, that was huge. I right mean, out the gate. The first four or five or just... How about the very first play? Yeah. Rondell Moore, loss. sweep, six-yard loss. And not only that, he gets banged up. Doesn't play the rest of the game. He, I think he had two, play, two snaps the whole game. But the guy that stepped in did a very nice job for him. Yep. But and, 
that this is this is the other problem that I have, and maybe this goes back to the whole running room, the running back room theory, where you need a good two person complement. Mm-hmm. Why does Greg Dortch only exist in this offense if Rondell Moore doesn't? I, I he's good enough on his own to be a part of it, is he not? There is no reason why Greg Dortch should not be playing more snaps. When he gets in the game, he has shown that he could he can turn the tide. He's had a couple of miscues, yeah, sure, but everybody has. And the fact that Rondell Moore can't stay healthy, you, utilize the guys that are available, plain and simple. And that's Greg Dortch, and he showed like career best 103 yards today. Yeah, I mean that alone, like that is really the only bright spot. For it kind in, of is, yeah. In my eyes, maybe Hopkins having another decent game, but still, I mean that's kind of that's kind of a given at this point. You say Hopkins, and it is given, and I agree. And he finished with 91 91 receiving yards. It's very disproportionate, though. Yep. For a team that had to pass a lot in the second half, D-Hop had two catches for 14 yards in the second half out of his nine for 91. And that's another second that half. That can't happen. Where he's just not getting the ball. Seattle, the two weeks ago, the Rams, it kind of became irrelevant because the Cardinals were so far ahead in the second half. And then this week against the Niners. When, when you need your best players, feed your best players. Yeah. Rushing attack's not working. Okay, let's throw the ball to D-Hop. I don't think that that's hard of a concept to follow. No, it shouldn't be. And it's just, yeah, I just, it's just, the, it's almost like Greg Dorch can't play because Rondell Moore is Rondell Moore. That's really what it comes down to. It's, why, why, it's, the, it's a silly reason. Season, get the people that are effective the ball. And if you can't stay on the field, you're not effective. I'm sorry. End of the day. That's what it is. I do think there is one lacking piece that kind of helps make the offense run a little bit smoother. And granted, it's not like he was a big factor last week because he got injured second play yeah. of their first drive. Yeah. But not having Zach Ertz out there has to be draining for this yeah. offense and for the passing attack. And the tight end options that the Cardinals had out there today were seldom used. Trey McBride, the uh, first draft pick taken by the Cardinals in this recent draft, by the way. Mm-hmm. Four catches for 14 yards. Max Williams was one for seven. Yeah. Max, I give a little bit of a different uh, look at it because he's been injured for most of this season, on the practice squad most of the season. But all this investment in Trey McBride, and he can only be targeted four times. I'm not saying feed him. I'm saying is there other ways that you can utilize him if he's as good as they say he is? Yeah, and I and I think it's funny just with what Steve Kime said this past week of, you know, like our needs now are different from they were during draft day. And it's like, okay, your need is clearly different. Utilize the guy. Yeah. He can't just be a blocking tight end for you. I'm sorry. Max Williams can be your blocking tight end. You need Trey McBride to show off that athleticism that got him picked where he got picked. He's not a bad bad receiver whatsoever, pass catcher whatsoever. But it's just, yeah, it's it's one of those things where they have to get the tight end involved more. I mean, plain and simple, that's how this offense is going to roll. I was very confused about A.J. Green. He, he's first. I have another character for what I'm most confused about as well. Oh, yeah. But A.J. Green, who... You know, good for the young kid to get those opportunities in a late blowout game with Trace McSorley. Good for him to get those opportunities late. No, what the heck are you doing? I know. I don't understand what his role is. And every week it feels like a uh, a heart monitor with the amount of snaps and opportunities he's getting. Like one week it's the highest and one week it's the lowest. The highest and then the lowest. Yeah. I don't know what today is. My other, I'm confused what the heck is going on here. Robbie Anderson, zero targets. Well, and I think that what a waste of a trade. And I think that goes one in, hand in hand. It's why are we putting AJ Green out there at the point where 
I mean, the game's out of reach. Why not give Robbie Anderson those looks at least to get him a little bit more ingrained with this offense? Because clearly he's not there if he's not playing. Right. So it was just it was a nothing trade. This was a nothing trade. If we go back to it, the Marquise Brown got hurt. They traded for somebody who hasn't played. And it's really just another one of those trades. The Cody Ford trade. I know he's playing now, but it took forever for him to get on the field. The Trayvon Mullen trade took forever for him to get on the field. And he's still not being he's not an effective. He's not being used in a majority of the defense. He was supposed to be a guy that was going to come in and and take snaps over for Antonio Hamilton. And he's only there because Byron Murphy's not playing. Mm -hmm. There's just the the depth on this team was glaringly. Just it was completely different. The, the Niners were by far the better team in every aspect. Yeah, hundred percent. Even though some of the stats are so eerily similar yeah. today, better players, better execution, just better all around. There was, like we said, Greg Dortch is the only thing you can hang your hat on. That's that's a terrible performance from your team. One you'd like to forget. Yeah, and I wonder if there's two other things that we'd probably like to forget. It has to do with the officiating. Jonathan Ledbetter's face maskless yeah. face mask penalty that resulted in that's a, touchdown. a backbreaker that led to the Ayuk touchdown. Yep, and then DeAndre Hopkins is unsportsmanlike con- <laughs> unsportsmanlike context <laughs> finger pointing. He pointed out the amount of terrible calls that were made in that first half. But, Pretty much, yeah. I mean that set them back after he got them the first down, and it basically reset them. Yeah. with a new set of downs. Like that's, I get it. It seems weak in the moment, and I, as a fan, am like, what the hell is this call? This is a terrible call. Why are we doing this? But at the same time, the rules are the rules. And when your team is down and you need to get those yardage, those are back-breaking, painstaking penalties to have to take. Yeah, it's just it's that. And like we've said for weeks, self-infliction, just those self-inflicted wounds that the Cardinals keep giving, giving to themselves. Yeah. They cannot get away from themselves. The discipline's just not there. Nope. Like nope. we talked we've talked about it so many years in the past about how this is one of the most penalized teams in the league. Luckily they're they're being chased out of town by the Denver Broncos it feels like who are just getting penalized here and there. But this team it started off you know disciplined and now they're very much starting to lose that discipline. It wasn't heavy today. They only got penalized four times, but two 15-yarders, one which yeah. didn't exist and another one which could have been avoided. Those are Backbreakers, man. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they entered the game with the most offensive penalties. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like 40. I don't, I don't even have to look up. I mean, Trey McBride had back-to-back offensive um, false starts last week, so I don't even have to look it Or two weeks ago, I don't even have to look it up. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, once again, the Cardinals fall 38-10 to Monday Night Football. Uh, injury update for you, Rondell Moore. Uh, like we said, left after two snaps. It'll be a uh, kind of a wait-and-see thing. We'll learn more from Cliff tomorrow when he uh, has his availability. But uh, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and get your take on what happened this past week on Hard Knocks. <laughs> Did anything happen on Hard Knocks? <laughs> well, there's no longer a number two running back, yeah. which we didn't even get to see. Well, so there's, there's a wrinkle to that we'll touch on in a second for this upcoming week's episode. But this previous week's episode, I thought they did a very good job kind of reminding everybody who Colt McCoy is. They didn't, it. They didn't like put together a whole Cleveland Browns highlight package or anything like that. They didn't need to. But they did a good job of highlighting him at the practices and showing what he's Looking at the specifics of how he's handling these play calls and how he's getting his O-line ready and just the nice little monologue voiceover that they had while he's doing the checks with the linemen yeah. at the practice. 
that was very, very well done, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, uh, it obviously set up for the win against the Rams, which, which is big. You know, we all knew coming, and that was a much needed win given the circumstances that they were in. And there were other little things too that I liked. But a, a small one. They're at the they're at the team dinner a couple of nights before the game. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even notice he was sitting there because the way it was shot or the way the camera angle was. Lasita Smith, the uh, rookie O-lineman, he's talking about how scared he is, nervous he is. And like, I don't know, but I don't know. And then out of nowhere, Kyler Murray just turns his head. He's got the hood on. You don't even know he's there. <laughs> yeah. Kyler Murray just turns his head. He's like, just bleeping play. Yep. That's all it is. And then he's explaining how to set up for a screenplay. And those are, those are little instances from Kyler Murray that outside of that opportunity, I don't think I've seen. Yeah, and I thought for me – we saw two different sides of getting guys ready. We saw Colt McCoy's kind of methodology about it, which obviously I think if Kyler was actually playing and practicing as much as they were having Colt do with the first team, maybe we see a little bit more from him. But Mm -hmm. just seeing how Colt kind of went about it as like, not like a drill instructor, but somebody that's going to talk you up, but also get on you for, you know, you've got to get this done. You've got to do this. We've got to do this. If you do this, we can do this. And then you've got Kyler kind of like, yeah, man, just stop thinking about it and play the game. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. So I thought that was cool. I think, you know, there's a couple of people that I don't think really that kind of got rubbed the wrong way from how Kyler inter- interacted with Lucidus, but not everybody's going to do it the same way. No, I take it as a Leaders positive. are different. I yeah. take it as a positive. I do too. And he could have said nothing. He could have said nothing. I didn't even know he was there. It yep. felt like it was nothing. Yep. But those are little instances that people have been clamoring for as far as a leadership stance is concerned. And to your point, maybe this is just how he leads. Yep. Is like not necessarily the most patient approach, but he's going to tell you how it is and how it comes to and – Everything that you need to understand about this particular role that you're going to be in. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was a nice little touch by the Hard Knocks crew. I also liked uh, the fact that Lissidus was caught talking about if he's going to get a pass because it's Aaron Donald on his first NFL start. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> hey, he kid. played really well. And he kind of got a pass. Him and Kelvin played played really well together. And speaking of Kelvin, that's, I mean... That was a pretty interesting. Oh, that, that uh, was the fun part of the episode. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it went from it went from whoa, what's going on? Appendicitis? To, yeah. What? Yeah. So yeah, just showed Beecham walking into a meeting and said he wasn't feeling good, passed out, had to go to the ER, and uh, thought it was appendicitis. They did a bunch of tests and realized it was stomach pains, and the one correlation was uh, good old popcorn, white cheddar popcorn. My which favorite. We all know the bag. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was good. Luckily, nothing serious. Uh, had some type of itis, as he put it. So that was pretty funny. I love the uh, Cardzo line coach, Sean Kugler, saying to Beecham as he walks in the next day, if you wanted to skip the walkthrough, you could have just said something. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then he had the picture of the bag and the. Yeah, <laughs> the nice little x ray. He's got that corn in it. The him. doctors were <laughs> kind enough to pass this along to us. That was uh, good. But on top of that, man, we saw a different side of Beecham uh, getting real nasty in the game. I mean, he's, he Ooh. was the only. Chippy with Leonard Floyd. Yeah, he was the only uh, starting lineman. So he still is. Yeah, still is. Star- original starting lineman. So yeah, I think he had to bring a little extra nastiness. Lasitas even was like, yeah, I've never seen that. Never seen that from him. And even called him, uh, says he feels like he's coached by his dad sometimes when he's talking about Beecham. So that was funny. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, just that, that. I thought that was that was great. I loved the chirpiness. Uh, and then you had Cliff even say, you know, I haven't seen him do it a ton, but he's a Texas boy. So <laughs> that's what we do in Texas, as Cliff would say. Uh, then, yeah, then we got a little uh, inside look at the Watts. That was pretty cool. Yes. Um, anything else stick out to you on that See, one? See, that's just it. It's like this episode... 
I oh, think no, hit get... me a little bit less than the first episode because the first episode had, you know, the setup. It had the perfect taking you right up to where we are at at the Cardinal season, right? It's it's a long shot of Kyler Murray walking off the field after they just lost to the Vikings. Yep. A game where the, it ends because he gets sacked on the final play. Yep. Like you can already completely take in everything that is happening with this team right now. Yep. Right? They didn't they didn't sugarcoat it at all. No. They went right into it. No. And Kyler Murray said one word, one that we're, you know, not allowed to say on this particular podcast, mm-hmm. but but it yeah, sets everything up it for does. the whole state of the season right now. It really does. And oh, I guess we gotta we gotta touch on this. So Sean Jefferson, man. Oh this guy is he's gotta be probably one of my favorite coaches to cover in the history of me just covering sports. He's very candid. Yeah. And and just getting that inside look and getting the inside look behind, you know, Van Jefferson, his son who plays for the Rams, uh, you know, he won the Super Bowl last year and his and his wife went into labor during the game, had the baby, they named him champ. Uh, so, yeah, just awesome to see Sean Jay. Uh, Sarah Cazell said it best. Like, the dude's the best hype man you could probably ever have. For real. Uh, and, and just it was cool just to see, you know, that father's love for his son. I mean, they, they play on two different teams, divisional rivals. And to see him just so excited at the Super Bowl just to be like, you know, he won a ring. He got a ring. He got a ring. Like, that sent chills with me, man. Like, being a, a you know, a newish father still. And it was just that was just really cool for me to see. But you know what we didn't see? What did we not see, Tyler? We saw Chandler and Hamilton get a little shout-out. That oh, was that cool. too. Yeah, the what battle we, for Arizona. That was cool. But what we didn't see? What did we not see, Tyler? What happened with Eno Benjamin? The number two oh, I don't know. Undisputed number two running back. Let's say it. Yeah, definitely undisputed number two running back. It, for my money, he probably should have been the number one running back last week. His explosiveness. And yeah. it wouldn't have mattered, you know, because James Conner ended up scoring two touchdowns, his best rushing attack of the year. Yep. But then he followed it up with this yep. today. So let's, uh, so yeah, so addressing the elephant in the room, you know, Eno Benjamin was a sh- surprise release on Monday. Uh, reported, uh, the reports came out that he actually got into a little bit of a physical altercation with an assistant coach. There we go. That was something that uh, Gambo uh, was able to confirm. Yep, John Gambo. From shout out to him. Some of the reports out there. So yeah, so I mean, that alone, real quick, they nipped it in the bud. It said, see you later. We just, you know, I asked Cliff point blank what was the reason for the low snap count for Eno. He said they wanted to give James Conner the ball and never once mentions his name. And then after he leaves, we get the, uh, hey, surprise, he's cut. And yeah, the, the strategy of Cliff having a Monday media presser and then joining the Wolf and Luke show shortly after and then immediately following after that, next. here's this casual little uh well, let's slide this underneath the uh, table. And it was just here. And it wasn't only the fact that Eno was cut. Zachert's done for the season. Yeah. Like all of these coming down. Boom, boom, boom. And it's like just, they couldn't have at least had the Earths done for the season before yeah. then. I don't I don't understand that one. I get the Eno one for the sake of, yeah. you know, uh, publicity and negative paparazzi or anything like yeah. that. But you you can't. Let people know that Ertz is going to be done. Yeah. I get. I saw. I thought I saw he was trying to get a second opinion, but even so, all yeah. the reports seemed. I mean, it was minutes after he got exactly. To, yeah. Like, come on. So yeah, I mean, and here's the thing: is like, obviously, we don't know what exactly went on with Eno, but we cannot leave this space without talking about him because let's be honest: he started three games. He was the number two back. Daryl Williams is on the IR. Keontae Ingram's a rookie. Jonathan Ward is still banged up. Like, they, there was no other options. And so for people to just kind of brush under the rug is kind of, 
I don't know. I don't. It's it's just an awkward. Uh, it's an awkward situation for sure. But I, I we need some kind of clarity. That's just me. And I don't know if we'll get it. I don't think we're going to see it on Hard Knocks next week. But I there's got to be more to this story that that is going to come to light at some point. You know, a colleague of ours, Tim Ring, he brought up a uh, I guess a wide viewpoint. What casual viewer of Hard Knocks or casual NFL viewer or fan? is really going to want to desperately know what happened to Eno Benjamin. Yeah. Obviously, we want to know. We cover the team for a living. We live here in Arizona. He's a we, former Sun Devil. We follow the team closely. Yep. All that as well. But, like, outside of that, who desperately wants to know the truth of that? And you think about it at first and you want to dismiss it. Like, oh, this is their number two running back. They just cut him for no reason without explanation and they're tight-lipping. But also, yeah, he's he's Eno Benjamin. Yep. Not to degrade his character because he was a fantastic Sun Devil and he had some great moments as a Cardinal. He's Eno Benjamin. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think I would be more on that train if he wasn't getting more carries, more touches. Like, and didn't have a great game the week prior. Yeah. So it's just that's that's going to be – it's just another another narrative thrown on this team, which is just a constant – it's a weekly thing now. It's can they stay healthy? Can they execute? Which the word execute has been said more times in this in this state, I think, than there's been a high level usage of the word execute. Yes. You see what I did there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Great job. <laughs> Very high level. Yeah. Execution. So, Mitch. Tyler. Give me your uh give me your thoughts on playoff hopes. Completely shot? Uh, I'll I'll give you the option. Do you want the uh, shovels or do you want the headstones? <laughs> I think that's my. Or you can experience. just tell me where to dig, and I'll start yeah. digging. I think uh, I don't see a turnaround coming. I'm also looking at this from the perspective of you're staring up at two teams that are above 500 in this division, and then you got to look at the wildcard. You're lucky you're in third place because the Rams are actually worse this season, and it's wild because it's really only two games and, and a tiebreaker. Yeah. That's but, what that separates us. But I don't. There's only one team, team in the division they have left to play, and it's the Niners, and that's the team that's probably going to take the division. And this team just doesn't have it figured out. No, and I don't see them figuring it out in the it, next. It, couple how weeks. does a team figure it out when you're already 11 weeks into the season? Mm-hmm. Like what? Now you're going to figure it out with seven games left? That makes zero sense to me. All right. So if they can't figure it out against the Chargers, what's that look like? What does it look like? Well, you got to have complimentary football, and I know That's Cliff Kingsbury one. has hammered that home. Defense got throttled today, specifically in the second half. I thought in the first half they were okay, but we didn't even mention it. Three explosive plays by the Niners today, all three of them resulting in touchdowns. A 39-yard catch-and-run by George Kittle yep. for a touchdown. A 39-yard end-around to Debo Samuel for a touchdown. And then a 32-yard yep. little dump-off pass to Kittle he did most of the work, but he didn't have to do much work because nobody was rushing over to go tackle him. Yeah. That yeah. can't happen. Well, and let's get right on that, too. Okay. Baker after the game to, to, our, uh, to our buddy Cam Cox. Straight up said, like, <laughs> did not feel like everybody finished the game giving their all. You know what? I'm glad he said it. No, he, yeah. I'm after, glad somebody said after it. After that. I, and I'll tell you right now, if you're not inspired by what he did on Hard Knocks and that speech that he gave, I think there's the door. You can see yourself out like, of it. What more do you want? And J.J. Watt even pointed out the same thing earlier when asked about the motivation from the cameras. Is there any motivation? He says, you no, you're in the it. wrong place. Yeah. And it's just and I think we saw I, I mean, for me, just on the camera of Buddha, you could tell he was frustrated. You could tell he was yeah. frustrated and he was frustrated to the point of like 
these guys didn't give their all to the end of the game. He he, quite frankly didn't have that great of a game either. No, he didn't. He he, he, he kind of got beat around a little he bit. Did. He did. He did. And and but he's but, also playing with a bum ankle. And here's the thing: there is not one part of me that thinks that he wasn't going 100 percent, or for whatever no, percent I that he it. could go, he was going. He was going harder than probably even half if he of was limited defense. to like 50 percent. I believe he was giving 60. Yep. You know. Yeah. He's that kind of a guy. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's. There's a lot. There is a lot that needs to be figured out, and I don't think it's going to get figured out. Here's the quote. Quote, men lie, women lie, film don't lie. Yeah. That quote. That that tells you everything you need to know. That is the sound of a frustrated leader who sounds like he's not getting through to his – or his team isn't getting that information that they need to get. I'm glad one of these eight captains is showing some leadership. (laughs) You had to make sure that you had at least one of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't really know if there's any uh anything else to really hit on this. Well, so really quickly yeah. because the Chargers they just they blew their chances against the Chiefs. Yes. At home. But their this is against the Niners the last week. Too. Yes, that too. So this is now a 5 and 5 Chargers team and quite frankly the, you could look at it so many different ways. They're without their best tight end in Gerald Everett. They're getting wishy-washy performances and health updates from Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, their top two receivers. Oh, I Justin know. Herbert is not even throwing that much deep down the field anymore. Yep. Austin Eckler's their guy. There's That's a it. lot going wrong with this Chargers team, yep. just as much as there's a lot going wrong with this Cardinals team. This is the kind of team that if you're hoping to stay in it, I think I saw ESPN gives them a 6% chance That's of making the playoffs. This is the kind of team you need to beat. One yeah. that's struggling with injuries and other different plagues that you're dealing with per se you need to beat these types of teams Mm -hmm. and you need to do it on the biggest stages yes and if you can't do it then give me the nails and the hammer because i'm gonna make sure that the coffin's closed shut for good yeah yeah pour cement on top too (laughs) every step i need to take to make sure there's no (laughs) zombies afterwards all right well yeah i think that's uh i don't know if we can talk anymore about this game that was ugly no i think really nasty 38 to 10 cardinals fall to four and seven playoff uh, hopes fall even farther. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm Tyler Drake, uh, Arizona Cardinals reporter for Arizona Sports. Alongside me is Mitch Vareldis filling in for Eric Ruby. Uh, miss you, buddy. Hope you're doing all right. We'll see you maybe next week if you're uh, feeling up to it. And uh, from there, you know, just go ahead and give us a follow. Uh, AZ Cards Corner on Twitter. You can follow me at, at tdrake for sports You can follow Mitch at Mitch, I believe it is. Swinginamitch. There we go. There we go. Uh, yeah, you can follow us uh, anywhere you get podcasts. Definitely subscribe, rate five stars, all that good stuff. And until then, really, 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 really try for all of us to enjoy football.